Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host today. We have a great guest. As a matter of fact, we have someone who can connect us to the young group on the issue of abortion, and that's Tina Whittington. Tina, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, Jill, thank you for having me. I appreciate this. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. And the reason that you uh, have this honor of being a person who can connect us to students is you work with Students for Life. Is that correct? Yes. So I'm the Executive Vice President of Students for Life, and I've been at this job for about nine and a half years. So I manage the daily operations, and then I also actually run our largest event of the year, which is our National Pro-Life Summit in January. Oh, I want to talk more about that later. <laughs> so how did you get involved with them in the first place? How did I get involved with Students Life? Okay, well, I'll just briefly kind of share my own story to talk about the whole in my own life and how SFLA as an adult later kind of connected dots for me. Mm-hmm. I became a Christian when I was 13. I was raised in a secular home. I had a very kind of Holy Spirit experience and was radically saved and got into leadership and just really pushed hard in my faith. And when I was about 15 or 16, our youth minister did a whole presentation on abortion. I would say I was uh, pro-choice at the time because I just didn't know. I'm an only child. I'm the youngest of all my cousins. I'd never seen anyone be pregnant. So it was just this fuzzy idea for me. Um, And he really connected the dots with scripture, with images from Leonard Nelson of the babies in the womb. And then we heard a a testimony from Carol Everett, who ran abortion Mm -hmm. facilities in Texas. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is wrong. It's always wrong. And then I heard 6 million babies. Mm. And I thought, I'm one person. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? And so I did what a lot of us do. When we hear about something, we do nothing. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I did a big fat nothing. And then um, later that year, I was in um, the locker rooms, and I overheard two kind of some my acquaintance friends talking about how one of them was pregnant and considering an abortion. And my heart was pounding. I was just in the next aisle of lockers over overhearing this conversation. I'm like, God, that's a baby. What do I say? And I was so like overwhelmed with like fear mm-hmm. that because I didn't know what to say. So I just sat there and I I just prayed and. I honestly don't know what she decided, but I just didn't know you could do anything about abortion until I actually met my husband who ran an organization called Rock for Life. And actually one of our first dates was praying out in front of an abortion facility. I didn't know you could do anything like that. And so he really introduced me to this whole other side of not just being personally pro-life, but actively engaging, praying in front of the abortion clinic, educating people about what the abortion procedure is you know, how formed a baby is when an abortion happens, registering people to vote. We had a great time working with Rock for Life, touring with bands. I ended up taking nine and a half years off to stay home and have four babies. Um, <laughs> when my fourth was born, my oldest was five and a half. So it was a little bit of a crazy time. Um, and during that time, I homeschooled, raised my kids, and I volunteered with Rachel's Vineyard, which is a post-abortion mm-hmm. healing retreat weekend but then it was time for me to go back to work. And when I really thought out, where do I want to, where do I fit? You know, I really saw with students for life. I wish I'd had students for life when I was in high school. I wish I had someone to equip that passion and that drive I had for this 
with the right words to say, with the right activities to do. And so when I saw this opportunity to work for Students for Life, I pushed really hard, (laughs) convinced Kristen to hire me. And it's been a blast ever since just educating young people, activating them and building leaders. And you're really close to Kristen. If you're the vice president, you're working hand in hand with her to make that organization thrive. Wow. Yes. <laughs> well, first of all, you have the energy of a 12-year-old, so <laughs> you, you evidently need that to keep up with kids and work and your husband. Yes. But hats off to you, young lady, for letting the Holy Spirit really press you to do more than simply feel it. But to yeah. but to put action. And I love that prayer is listed as one of your actions because that's extremely important for people, you know, those of who are with us today on this broadcast, uh, praying over this issue and praying that God will forgive us as a nation for mm-hmm. the numbers and numbers and numbers of babies that we have allowed to be uh, wiped away uh, without giving them a chance to have their their time to thrive and grow and provide. So the, this is a really a huge gift, listening to your energy, your high energy. So you got involved then with Students for Life, and tell me a little bit about that organization in the sense of, did it start on the college level, or was it in high mm-hmm. schools immediately, or what? So we started in colleges. We're actually a student-run volunteer organization until 2006, when Kristen Hawkins was the first actual employee hired. Um, and it became a full-time organization. So we started off with this basis of college students who had kind of come together on their own to network and get together what are good ideas, how do we impact our campus. And so we really started on college campuses in 2012 is when we launched onto high school campuses. So we developed a field team and a field program going onto campuses, helping students, I think, One of the things that's very different about Students for Life is we have regional coordinators who live in the regions in which they serve. Uh And so for students, this is a very relationship-based organization in uh, an age of um, video calls and text messages and whatnot. We want to show up and be in relationship with our students and really walk with them and help them bring a life message onto campus, bring resources for pregnant and parenting students onto campus recruit their peers into this pro-life movement that we developed on colleges with the activities you can do, um, with how to even like start a group. Because a lot of students, there isn't a pro-life group on their college campus. And you have to walk through all these steps, like creating a constitution, recruiting students, all these things. Mm -hmm. So we learned how to like help walk them through that. And then we had these high school students that were just like seeing what we were doing and like wow, we want to do that too. And they were starting groups on their high school campuses, but we really didn't have anything specific for them. So in 2012, we actually launched a high school program with specific high school activities you can do just because the the campuses are set up different. Mm -hmm. So you can't do the same kinds of outreaches uh, on a high school campus and kind of college. And then in 2016, we launched middle schools. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. So we we had the same thing. These middle school students were looking at their older brothers and sisters who had high school groups or college groups and saying like, well, why can't we do this here? Mm -hmm. Middle school is a whole different... um, (laughs) Bag of worms. Yeah, you bet. I I taught middle school for a while. I totally concur. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we have about 20 middle school groups. It's a kind of in progress growing. We're still learning in that area, but um, we have 1,200 groups that we work with just over 
across the country. So not working with elementary yet. Not elementary, although we do see why you need to start having these conversations with children so early. Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. is in all of those levels. They're talking to students as early as kindergarten with Mm the message of sexual preference and all of these Mm -hmm. things that you can uh, begin to instill in their precious little minds. And it is so disgusting to me. Well, their their business model depends on sexualizing children early, building a relationship with your children so that they can start having sex and going to them for contraception. And then when they have an Mm -hmm. STD, come back. And when they end up getting pregnant, because we know birth control fails, not only does birth control fail, but, you know, I always used to say, I can't trust my 16 year old to make his bed. How can I trust him to like actually use birth control? Like what? So ultimately it fails and then they're there to provide that abortion and make money off of your child who's in crisis all behind your back. I love what you're saying right now and I really want to emphasize it. It is the myth in our culture for people who are certainly 40 and older, they believe that Planned Parenthood is a very good organization and they do good things. And thank goodness we finally heard uh, in a committee meeting of the Congress that they don't actually have ultrasounds and they don't do any any breast exams and they don't do that sort of thing for women who plan to carry. So Mm -hmm. only for those, they'll do an ultrasound if they're willing to have Have an abortion abortion. and then they'll Mm -hmm. follow through with the ultrasound so that they can abort that child. It's a very deep concern of mine that there be education on the other side. I can't tell you how many times, Tina, I've explained to people, someone said, what do you do? And I would say, oh, I serve as a pregnancy support center director or Mm -hmm. helper or whatever. And they would say, oh, you work for Planned Parenthood? (laughs) No, excuse me. Hold on. Let's take a lesson. So it's really an important point that we're making here, especially for believers who don't really have their their toe in the water on this issue. Mm -hmm. It's an important thing to know. Wow, you are one incredible woman. You've already blown our first half here with all the excitement (laughs) in the world of what you're doing. I really want to come back and hear more about the Students for Life event you've got Mm -hmm. coming up. It's a pro-life Summit, I think you called it. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a minute. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. You can give online, or if you're more comfortable, simply mail us a check. Our P.O. box is listed on the website. Choose Life Radio focuses on the sanctity of human life from conception. And your kind and generous gift today, well, it makes this broadcast a reality. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting ChooseLifeRadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So visit today, ChooseLifeRadio.com. 
Okay, welcome back to Choose Life Radio. Hey, buckle those seatbelts. We are moving fast in this wonderful interview that we have today with Tina Whittington. She serves with Students for Life, and she has something to tell us about a pro-life summit coming up soon, January 25th. Tell me about that. So we know people from across the country pilgrimage every year to Washington, D.C. for the annual March for Life. Mm -hmm. So that's January 24th this year. It's a Friday. For over 20 years now, we've been hosting an event after the March for Life so that we can harness that energy and that excitement and actually give tools, equip you to go back into your communities and make a difference. We love marching. We love making a statement to our nation, but we want to make sure that everyone goes back with new ideas, new tools to battle abortion in their communities and to, you know, speak about the sanctity of life. And so our event is Saturday, January 25th. It's an all-day event from 9 to 6 p.m. It's at the Marriott Marquis right in the heart of Washington, D.C., close to all the wow, events. Nice. You can, you can find <laughs> all the if, if information. It's just prolifesummit.org. I want to offer your listeners um, $10 off. The price of all the summit tickets. Oh, sweet. Tickets. Oh, hey, listen up, folks. This is really awesome. <laughs> Say so it again. We $10 off $10 on your ticket. Off. Yep. Just go to prolifesummit.org. And when you register, use the words choose life, choose life altogether, and you get $10 off all okay. the tickets that you register for. That's a special just for our listeners. So yeah. if you're listening to Choose Life Radio right now, write that down, because that's really a gift. So it sounds like it's going to be a very interesting time. It's not the same as it normally would be. It's a little more geared to other organizations joining you, right? Yes. So this year, we're working with the Heritage Foundation, Heritage Action for America, Live Action, and Alliance Defending Freedom, all of our organizations coming together to put this summit on for the pro-life movement. So in the past, it's been mostly focused on college and high school students, but we kind of have opened it up a little more to the adult audience. We've got some really great speakers. We've got Charlotte Pence coming, the vice president's daughter to speak. I don't know if you know Stephanie Gray or Trent Horn. They're great apologetic speakers. David B. Wright, who started 40 Days for Life, will be there. Um, But you can check out the website and see for yourselves. We've got really great information, awesome speakers. We're going to have over 40 sponsors there that will be tabling to give you even more ideas and ways to activate your church, your community, your high schools, your colleges on this issue. And Choose Life Radio will be a sponsor with you. And so come and see us. We're going to definitely be there. It'd be wonderful to see you face-to-face. And I am just really excited about that. I can't wait. (laughs) Okay, so on to maybe another tough question here Mm -hmm. for you. Uh, Some of the things that I think about in terms of the college in particular, why why is it that students find themselves, so many of them that we have dealt with at the center, had an abortion while they were in college? Why is that? I mean, again, not to hit Planned Parenthood too hard, but let's hit them hard. 79% of Planned Parenthood are located within five miles of a college campus. Hmm. They know their target audience. A lot of the Planned Parenthoods are, are um, in the health centers on campus. Um, One of the first talks you get when you sign up and you're a freshman and you do your orientation is where to get condoms. So I think there's a push to even sexualize there at the college campus. For a lot of people, it's their first time away from home Mm -hmm. and they're figuring out 
how to manage everything on their own. And so when you push that kind of information on them, it's easy. It's an easy temptation to fall into. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. Ah, I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to parties now and I don't have experience with that before. And there's all kinds of sort of pitfalls within that community that right. if you're not going into it, being prepared to guard your heart, then it, it's, it's a hard journey. 39% of all abortions are actually medication abortions. So that's that RU46. And there's a move across the country, even with bringing these medicine abortions onto campuses. So this year, California just passed SB24, which is requiring all state universities in California, their health centers on their campuses to provide RU46 abortions. Oh, my word. So I just... This, this is why this is happening on college campuses, because there is a push to focus on these young people. When you look at who's getting abortions, it's 42% of college-age women make wow. up that demographic of who's getting abortions. When wow. you look at what are the age groups of women getting abortions, it's, for, it's the majority, 42%. Right. And I, and I would just warn parents that even in Christian colleges, you cannot trust that your kids are not going to come up against a situation like this. And sometimes the Christian girl is more vulnerable because she's mm-hmm. been protected in a youth group. She's always been around people that you as parents understand and know. And now that's not the case. And so you mm-hmm. have to really uh, talk about this subject before your kids even think about stepping into that college, whether it's Christian or not. One of the things, too, I want to point out is that there is a reversal for the RU486. Yes. And uh, when we had Dr. William Lyle on, and and you can go hear his podcast, by the way, as well as Kristen Hawkins, as mm-hmm. well as as soon as we get done here with <laughs> Tina, she'll, she'll be able to have that on as well at chooseliferadio.com. That's our website, chooseliferadio.com. So feel free to go there. But in the midst of all that, I just want to assure you that even if your child calls and says, I, I'm pregnant, I'm going to take that pill, and I've got to quickly stop this, please assure them, or I already did take the first one, assure them, we want to help you immediately try to mm-hmm. reverse that. Because that child that's going to be born is already half DNA that's your blood and your child and your grandchild, and there's never a person who looks at a teenager and regrets that that kid was born mm-hmm. instead of aborting them. So always think about that um, mm-hmm. as your kids I'm- go to college. And that's our push on the high school or the um, California campuses is getting that RU46 reversal information prepped and ready. And we're already advertising it on campuses because we know people make a decision sometimes in a moment and regret it immediately. And it's so great to know that there is a potential to reverse mm-hmm. that decision. Mm-hmm. And um, But again, just just that idea of like there's a whole part of our culture that's really after our kids and we have to protect them. We have to talk to them when they're young about the sanctity of life. Like God made you unique. He made you and created you with a purpose mm-hmm. and, and sowing those things into your kids. God made you a little boy so that one day you could grow up and be a man and marry a woman and, you know, have children of mm-hmm. your own. And like, it, I, I just think when you instill those words and those thoughts and, and that belief in the sanctity of life and God made me for purpose, um, it spills over. And, and that's why I think like 
you know, I've spoken those things to my kids growing up and when they see culture and they, you know, talk about sex, it's in light of sex creates people. (laughs) And, and that, you know, the most pro-life thing I can do as a young person is live a life of chastity before I'm married. And then after I'm married too, Mm -hmm. Um, those things are all just really sewn together. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, when you, you talk to your kids about sex or you talk to them about abortion, it's all very tied together. And mm-hmm. it's important conversations to have from when they're very young in ways that they can understand it and accept it. Right, right. And it is a gift. Life is a gift. There are so many mm-hmm. people who can't have children, and we want to value when that gift is given that we protect it with everything that we have. Um, have you noticed that civility is gone in this discussion mm-hmm. for the most part? I mean, how do, how do people who are with us today on this conversation take a step forward and have a conversation with someone who might be avidly pro-abortion mm-hmm. and and instead talk them through the value of the life of the child that's within. Yeah, so yes, college campuses, there's um, you're facing pushback from even your administration as well as some of your peers when you're doing a presentation. We do a lot with like, when do human rights begin on campus and talk about, you know, the developing um, baby and when do you think human rights should begin? Is it when they have a heartbeat? Is it when they have brain waves? When, when is it? When, is it when they're first created? And um, it's amazing the amount of anger we get on campuses, um, signs being torn up, displays being mm-hmm. knocked down, people just crazy yelling. I don't know if you saw one of our videos we had a cemetery, the innocents, and these girls walked through and said, oh, that's my abortion and that one's mine. And it was just like the level of hardness of heart mm-hmm. towards the child in the womb and this kind of the the building of the our altar of self, right, as being the ultimate God you serve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think you see that more and more. That creates this. Mm-hmm. So honestly, a lot of times when I'm on campuses talking to students, I do my best to talk to those students who are very angry, but at the end of the day, a lot of times I just have to walk away and say, we're going to have to agree to disagree here. I I have a very big circle of who's involved in the human family and who's worthy and deserving of our of rights and protection. And you've cut this whole segment out. And and so there's no, there's no middle ground here. If you can't see these people as human beings mm-hmm. worthy of protection, then I, I can't take this conversation further. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and I, I think that's scriptural too, right? Like, uh, you know, Jesus sent the disciples out and said, if they didn't receive you, d- shake the dust that's off your mm-hmm. feet and right. keep going. Right. And so I really work to hone who is someone who I feel is swayable when I'm talking to them. Yeah. And so we call these people like people in the mushy middle. Mm-hmm. These are people that maybe don't have all the information. And a lot of people, this is the number one conversation I have on college campuses. Oh, I don't know what I think about abortion. I've never thought it through. Uh, okay, let's let's have this conversation then because a lot of people, and like I feel like I was in high school too, I just assumed the pro-choice position because that was culturally mm-hmm. appropriate without even understanding what pro-choice right. meant. Right. Um, and so when you have those conversations, when you talk about what happens in an abortion procedure, people are shocked. It's gruesome. It's horrible. It's violent. Mm-hmm. We live in a very anti-violent um, culture right now when you point out the violence, mm-hmm. the disregard for life of right. um, abortionists. And, and now, now worse than ever. Now worse now, than ever. Oh, when they're, yeah. Yeah. 
and then and then talking about yeah saving their body parts in their Uh houses that indiana illinois abortion yes um but uh and then you talk about the development of the human being in the womb people don't understand like the the average woman when she takes a pregnancy test she's already pregnant with a baby with a beating heart Mm -hmm. right it blows their mind mm-hmm. um, because a lot of them associate heartbeat with how we determine death, right? You, oh, their heart, heart stopped beating, they've, they've deceased. And so there's this natural inclination to connect that with the beginning of life as well. Oh, the heart, heart's beating, so that must be, but people think heartbeat is like at eight or 10 weeks. When they find out it's like 22 days, Yeah, yeah. like they just, they just don't know. And I think there's a lot of that. They don't know. A lot of people don't want to know. They're right. comfortable with being pro-choice. They're comfortable with having abortion as an option because, you know, they serve the God of self, which says I can yes. do whatever I want. Right. I can seek whatever pleasure I want. And I don't have to face any consequences for it. And I think when Chrissy goes out and speaks now, she says the most inflammatory thing she says is when two heterosexuals consent to having sex, they are consenting to the potential of creating a new human life. Mm-hmm. That's and right. they go, what? No! <laughs> <laughs> Tina Whittington, what a joy it has been to have you with us today. And a, a fount of information. If you <laughs> want more, you can go to Students for Life. But there's their website will be up on ours at chooseliferadio.com. So you can find us there. And thank you again for the gift of $10 off tickets. If yes. you think you got information today, wait until you attend the Pro-Life Summit on January 25th, 2020. (laughs) So very exciting. Thank you again so much for being our guest today. You have blessed us. Thank you, Jill. I appreciate being on. Okay. Thanks for joining us today. It's been great to have you with us. If you have any comments you want to make, please send me an email at jill at chooseliferadio.com. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.